You are listening to Fanta Tracks. Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Time to get all your Star Wars news in a single file. This is Making Tracks. Here are your hosts, Mark Mulcaster, Mark Newbold, and Dave Tree. That's not true. That's impossible. You're listening to episode 50. Yeah, that's right. It's episode 50 of Making Tracks, brought to you by the fine folk over at fanfortracks.com. My name's Mark Mulcaster, and I am joined by the head fan for Mr. Mark Newbold. Mark, how are you doing? I'm very well. I'm, I'm feeling good for 50, to be fair. It, it could be worse. In fact, it will be worse next March because I actually am 50, so I'm, I'm basking in the happiness of this 50 and already getting ready for the, the sadness and sorrow of the next one. But, but you know, shouldn't be too down about it. It's all good. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to be 40 next year, so, yeah, so we're, we're both... We can both kind of, like, yeah, commiserate um, yeah. together... <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. We've had a little bit of casting news about the long-awaited Cassian Andor series. Yeah, I mean, the best thing about that, I think, is the news that it's definitely going ahead. I mean, that they wouldn't, or there wouldn't be so much news bobbling around the, the major trades. I mean, there's always news bobbling around fandom, and there's plenty of news last night. Everyone's convinced that there's going to be a Ben Solo series. and But this came via some of the major, the big trades. I think it was Deadline, certainly Deadline that I saw it in, uh, said that Adria Arjona, who was in Pacific Rim, the second Pacific Rim film, Good Omens, the Amazon series, uh, is joining the show. It reads to me like the lead actress. And of course, Lucasfilm haven't confirmed it, so again, like always, until it's... Pinch your soul, yeah. Exactly, yeah, unless it's, unless it's on StarWars.com or in The Insider or somewhere like that, then it's not confirmed, but... But as it stands, it's it's from one of the, the bigger outlets, so I'm I'm more inclined to think that this has probably got more meat on the bone than, than other rumours knocking around at the moment. What do you think about it? I think the reason why we're not getting some of these official announcements is partly because the schedules are still up in the air. And I and I and this is just me just kind of like just wondering if this is a a way of trying to put an announcement out through like Variety and Hollywood Reporter and, and all that to kind of say yes this production is still going ahead without there being an official confirmation of casting because potentially there could just be a schedule clash later on or something so maybe this is why they're doing that I saw Pacific Rim 2 and I thought Adria was kind of really cool in it she kind of plays this engineering type mechanic and actually played alongside John Boyega's character um, and there was this slight love triangle between her and John and I think it was Sam uh, Eastwood I think he was uh, the other co-lead oh Scott Eastwood Scott Eastwood that's the one there you go yeah she was basically having fun and actually slightly reminded me a little bit of Leia from Empire Strikes Back with kind of like you know kissing Luke as to what character she could play I don't know I mean you know she's similar heritage to uh, Diego Luna so potentially it could be a a familial relationship or maybe she's like an, another kind of fulcrum agent she could be like a, another rebel agent out there or maybe not necessarily part of rebel alliance but maybe someone who is a sympathizer who's got no love for the empire 
or maybe she's imperial. I mean, that's that's the sweet thing about yeah. this is that you know we've, yeah. we've talked about this a lot. You know that, that Cassian as a character, the show is sort of built around Captain Andor, and and he's the sort of the the senior character in the show. But that being said, the era that it's set in, that five years before Star Wars and four or five years before Rogue One, well, same thing really, isn't it? It's a period of the galaxy where the Empire's really got a foothold, jackboot on the throat sort of thing, but the Rebellion is building and pulling in all these rebel cells, and you kind of saw that in Rebels, and now you're going to start seeing it, I would imagine you're going to start seeing it in Cassian, so even though Cassian is the character and Diego's the actor that you're going to sort of follow as the thread through all these stories that links them together as a fulcrum himself. You make a great point. There are other fulcrums, we know that. Ahsoka was one, and, you know, there's other... I think it was Bale a fulcrum. I, I could be mistaken, but there's other ones, and, you you know, you're going to learn about these different things. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure that Cassian had a sister. Perhaps she's maybe the right age. She's a bit younger than Diego, so perhaps she's the younger sister character. It could be Underworld. It could be anything. It's beautiful yeah. point of... This is the mm. great point of when you're, you're building up to these shows. It's we don't really know anything, so everything's hypothesis and everything's on the table. It's a great time to be sort of spitballing about these shows. Speculate it away. <laughs> There's one thing about it you bring up about how she potentially could be an Imperial, and she could be an Imperial. And, you know, I, I wonder if that's a very dangerous, but quite a fertile ground to get recruits from, from the actual Empire. I mean, obviously, yeah. some of them are fairly heavily indoctrinated, but with their experience of being in the Empire, they're going to bring knowledge and secrets which is going to be vital for the alliance in that early formative years yeah that's how they got Bodie rook across and, and yeah. of course you know um jin's father was working for the i mean he did it with a purpose didn't he he kind of knew what he was doing he was playing the beaten man to sort of plant the seed of, of the death star the stardust thing and all that so that was beautiful but of course biggs had gone to the academy and luke was dreaming of going to the academy in the twin sons moment so han solo was in the empire and sort of left there's all these characters you sort of realise that the Empire being in the Imperial Army mm, or yeah. the Navy is the norm, really. If you if you want to get out of the Outer Rim or you want to leave your home planet and there's nowhere else to go, unless you're savvy enough or lucky enough or unlucky enough to hook up with a smuggler or happen to bump into a rebel cell, which must be like finding a needle in a haystack, generally the route out is to join the Empire. At least you're training to be a soldier, training to be some sort of military man or woman yeah. training to learn how to fly a TIE fighter, which you look at TIE fighters and you've seen it through canon over the years going way back. It really is like flying a, an air balloon with an engine on it. They're not the easiest things to fly, are they? So if you can fly a TIE fighter, you're, you're probably a pretty damn hot pilot. The stories over the years have almost made TIE pilots look like, like Skittles, like they make Imperial Stormtroopers look like Skittles. They're not. They wouldn't have took the galaxy if they were that easy to defeat. But that being said, if you've got that grounding as a soldier or grounding as a pilot, and then you can push on to do the things you really want to do, I think you make a brilliant point in that you know, the rebellion is probably made up of a massive, General Maidine, massive percentage of ex-imperial officers. And I suppose, you know, for those kids who are on the backwater outer rim, the Empire is quite an aspirational outfit to join. Yeah, You see all the propaganda... Come join the Empire, fly to all these beautiful and exotic worlds and all that kind of stuff. A bit like, I guess, how they like, advertised the Navy uh, yeah. in, in previous times, you know. So yeah. it makes sense. I guess you'd have to, as a as an agent, you need to pick your targets pretty precisely because I'm sure there's, there's a lot of counterintelligence. In fact, actually, in the aftermath 
books where you had um, Sinjir, who was a loyalty officer, who was basically, I think part of his role was to kind of like sniff out and root out some of these rebel sympathizers. And, that. and so there's probably quite a, a fear in the Empire amongst kind of the lower ranks that you've, you've got to be seen to toe the line. Absolutely. And, and again, a show like Cassian feels like the sort of show where as well as seeing the bigger picture and all the other crazy stuff that's going on around the galaxy and Cassian's own story of which maybe this new actress coming into the show, obviously to be confirmed, could potentially be a big part of that. It's also that cat and mouse element because the Empire probably doesn't take the rebellion too seriously at this point. They're they're an annoyance rather than a threat. It's not until Scarif and Yavin, two events that happen back to back, that all of Mm. a sudden it's like, no, they're not an annoyance, they are a threat. Which is why Empire makes so much sense when the the Empire just clamps down, taxation goes up across the galaxy, the Imperial War Machine goes into overdrive, they stomp them off off Hoth. It all makes sense in that respect. So it's it's a really interesting time of the galaxy to be telling stories in. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be exciting to see what happens. I'm Gareth Edwards, and you're listening to episode 50 of Making Tracks on Fanthatrax Radio. So as we mentioned at the top of the show, today is our 50th studio episode of Making Tracks. So we've been going since early 2018. We've had studio episodes, we've had special episodes, we've had live episodes from Celebration, we've had event episodes from conventions. But in terms of sitting down in our inverted commas studio, i.e. most usually our living room, uh, it's our 50th episode. So we were fortunate enough to get a letter from... San Francisco, from the Presidio, from Lucasfilm, congratulating us. And this is the letter. It's dated August the 18th, 2020. To the crew of Making Tracks, greetings from Northern California. Everyone at Lucasfilm wanted to wish you all congratulations on reaching 50 episodes of your podcast. Like so many Star Wars fans, you've shown great dedication to the galaxy far, far away. During these unusual and difficult times, our shared interests keep us together and connect us from afar. We're ever grateful for the community's continued passion and work to keep the spirit of fandom alive and well. Please extend our fondest greetings to your listeners. We hope you're all celebrating this important milestone and we wish you many more happy episodes to come. Once again, congratulations and remember the force will be with you always. Sincerely, your friends at Lucasfilm. Mark, we've been patted on the back by Lucasfilm. How good is that? Ain't that nice? (laughs) Well, I mean, it's you mainly. I've only just jumped on for the last 25 episodes. So Dave did the first 25, I think, and I've done the the last 25. So it's worked out pretty well. And I suppose in some respects, nothing beats a good pandemic to allow you to kind of notch up the uh, podcast episode releases. (laughs) I say we've certainly certainly been knocking them out the last few months, haven't we? It's weird how the way the world... And it's mentioned there, you know, these unusual and difficult times, Mm. you know, how the... the way the world has been this year, I don't know how we're going to cope next year when things start to get back to normal. It's it's nice to nice to get a letter like that, and it's greatly yeah. appreciated. And obviously, it's 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 for all of us, you know. It's it's for Fanta Tracks as a, as a whole, not just for making tracks. But uh, yeah, very very grateful to the team at Lucasfilm for sending us that. We're going to post that on the site as well, so people can read it up on the site. Thank you, Lucasfilm. It's very much appreciated. Hi, this is Dave Tamman, and you're listening to Fanta Tracks. So on the 27th and 28th of August. Prop Store in LA are launching another auction. There's previews ahead of the actual auction itself, but we've had a chance to take a look through the catalogue, which is available online, and uh, we'll put that in the show links. But as long with there being Star Trek and Alien and all sorts of franchises, there's a lot of Star Wars and Indiana Jones stuff in there, but obviously we're going to focus on the Star Wars stuff. If you're interested in indie, by the way, page 183, but Star Wars kicks off on page 347 with 
And I'll, I'll just mention the very first one. It's an unpainted miniature Tatooine building from The Phantom Menace. Just the little buildings that uh, Shmi and Anakin lived in on Tatooine in Mos Espa. But you just roll through and there's scripts from Phantom Menace. There's lightsabers, dueling sabers, Jar Jar Binks' arm, which I'm sure will interest you, Mark. All sorts of stuff from Attack of the Clones. It's incredible. What catches your eye? Oh, I mean, I tell you what. The, uh, this prop store catalogue is like the book of dreams. I yeah. mean, step aside Argos catalogue. I mean, this <laughs> this is where it's at. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's just so much stuff. And I think if you're into collecting props or posters or scripts, there's something for everybody if you've got, you know, the deep enough pockets. For me, I think out of all of these... I mean, it's hard to turn down the Stormtrooper helmet, yeah. the TK helmet from 77, just because it's so iconic. And I think without the Stormtrooper helmet, I don't think Star Wars would be quite the same. True. But for me, to save me having to make one, because I'm currently building an Endor Trooper, I would probably go for the Endor Trooper blaster rifle. The, the A280, which um, was kind of based on the M16 AR-15, and then they kind of added some groobies and some modifications to the, the stock and stuff like that. That's probably what I would go for. And then I would just paint it up a little bit and I would probably actually use that because that's something that I think could probably use. It is actually a blank firing rifle. So it might be a bit heavy. So it might not be the most convenient to use for long events. But I mean, let's be fair. If you've got the chance to get, you know, anything that's been used on, on, on screen, it's going to be amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Any, anything screen used, anything that that's, you know, you've actually seen on Celluloid, that the images have been shared since you were a little kid. I mean, I'm looking at the one page I'm looking at here, Article 669, the second draft Adventures of the Starkiller script. Beautiful red cover with an image on the front that looks like a Frank Frazetta picture. I, I don't know if it was drawn for Star Wars or if it's just taken from something else. Just incredible stuff. There's this. Um, there was one uh, Empire Strikes Back, um, subway poster that was in, the, yeah. in New York, which was amazing. There's the uh, the touring costume of Darth Vader that uh, would be identical to the actual costume seen on screen. That's that's going to go for insane money. There's Macquarie sketches, Lucy Autry Wilson's signed copy of A New Hope, the gold cover. And who 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 was she? Just just she was Georgie's know. assistant. Just incredible deep dive stuff. You know, people very closely. There's Hildebrandt stuff in here. Phil Tippett's put stuff in here. Right across the spectrum, John Mollo sketches. It's absolutely incredible. So if you've got the chance, please dive in, have a look mooch around and dribble because it is drool worthy stuff it really is absolutely incredible phenomenal i mean basically throughout all the lots it kind of covers everything from pre-production right through to post-production there's bits from like you said for concept art and the storyboards and the scripts through to ilm jackets there's quite a few props then movie posters and stuff like that so there's tons so you know if anybody's feeling flush and wants to bid on stuff you've heard what me and mark would would like i'm sure we'll pay it back one way or another over time so just uh you know put in a bid for us and if you get lucky let us know we won't pay it back mark we'll pay it forward that's what you do even better hello this is sam Wentworth, and you are listening to Fanta tracks so because it's our 50th episode and as mark mentioned earlier mark has done 25 studio episodes starting with episode 26 but somebody else 
did the first 25 episodes and I'm very pleased to say that he's here with us today. Will you give a big round of applause wherever you're sitting, but hopefully not driving? Dave Tree. Dave, welcome back to the show. Oh, dear. Get the disclaimers in there quick. If anybody's driving listening to this or like operating heavy machinery, Mm -hmm. um, no applause is necessary. It's it's a pleasure to be back. (laughs) Good, good, good. good. Could not have you on episode 50 of all episodes. How have you been? What's been going on? Obviously, Empire 40 was a monster success. Yeah, listeners, a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about uh, Empire 40, which was, I think, back when we did the interview, we were saying that, we were aiming for around about nine hours and it turned into a gargantuan 12 hours yeah. which if i'd known up front it was going to be that i would have set the start time for 12 o'clock not two o'clock <laughs> because by the time we're finishing it's like oh but um yeah that was quite amazing and then outside of that summer holidays here in uh, sunny fording bridge mm-hmm. so where everyone is trying to pick themselves up and dust themselves down post lockdown the tourism industry here is kind of sort of doing the same so people coming down to see the donkeys and i'm not talking about myself but um (laughs) the horses and stuff like that and buying toys if it's sunny super soakers and nerf guns and if it's raining lego and board games but um yep august is a good time of the month for toy retail because everybody's in a good mood so may it continue you just mentioned lego we're (laughs) going to talk about and I can't believe it's happening because when it happened in 1978, it was probably the coolest thing in the world until Empire Strikes <laughs> Back came out. And then ever since George Lucas swore he would hunt down every copy and burn it himself if he could, Star Wars Holiday Special. And now Disney in their infinite wisdom and Lego are doing the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. Before we even talk about it, and we don't know a huge amount about it, what do you think about them finally doing a Lego Star Wars Holiday Special? I'll kick off with you, Dave. What do you think? Genuinely, if there was any license that was ever going to kind of dip back into that the only one that could really get away with it is lego because it's not a serious representation of star wars you know it never has done if you look at the video games if you look at the animated specials that they do it's always done with like tongue-in-cheek jokey things you know it's not like this is 18 certificate stuff you know it's always been about having a bit of fun it does fit in the realm of that. I'm surprised that they've decided to do that, going back to an original trilogy thing, rather than try and do something within the current universe, given their current portfolio is heavily represented with The Rise of Skywalker at, at this point in time. But I would imagine that the moment someone does like a Lego version of Itchy, Lumpy mm. and Marla, people are going to go, yeah, I want that. Yeah, You know, I, 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 yeah. I can imagine people actually, you know, they might not even be Lego collectors, but because of what it is and what it represents, I could imagine it will recruit a certain number of people onto it. The trouble they've got is really explaining what the heck it is <laughs> yeah. to the majority of their customer base because we know what it is you know we're, we're, we're like ancient we're like old fuddy-duddies when it comes to star wars but the bulk of the lego fan base won't even have a clue about what it is or the context so will they actually get what it is or will they just see a funny color boba fett and some wookies <laughs> and go oh that's all we want it's a strange call but out of any of the different companies involved with the Star Wars license right now, if there was one that was going to get away with it, or that could get away with it, and at least look credible, it's Lego. What do you think, Mark? Do you agree? 
Yeah, totally. I mean, the Star Wars Lego animated series and stuff I've done, like, you know, even the free makers and that, they're this weird mashup of, like, in-universe Star Wars and kind of almost breaking the fourth wall because you have, like, ships that kind of need to be built up in the middle of space. It's going to be fun because reading what they put up on uh, stars.com, it's basically inspired by the original holiday special as well as It's a Wonderful Life, planes, trains and automobiles mm. and Christmas Vacation. <laughs> so it's, 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 it, I, and, and, I'm guessing. <laughs> of course, all of those spring to yeah. mind when you say <laughs> well, uh, like the mean, holiday key, special. <laughs> exactly. I mean, key, key, I mean, but also it's that whole thing of like, you know, playing trains and automobiles. That was like uh, John Hughes and that was kind of shot in the 80s. So it's, again, yeah. like you say, it's the average demographic for Lego is, you know, for, for these kind of content is yeah. going to be younger. That being said, the photo they very released shows Finn, Ray, Poe and, and Rose and Chewbacca. So you could almost possibly have some kind of retelling of either the original Star Wars Holiday special through Chewbacca. Because, I mean, I'm guessing none of those other characters would probably know what Life Day is. So, of course, you've got to have a whole, well, Life Day means this and that. And so I'm hoping for, yes, Itchy and Lumpy to make their blocky appearance and... Uh, and maybe even uh, are we going to get an updated version of like so Dina Carroll doing her little kind of <laughs> holographic sexy dance? Yeah, that that was a most questionable scene. It really, really was. That uh, <laughs> Chewie's dad moment was was really out of it. Dave makes a good point in the sense that Lego feels like the place that you can get away with that kind of thing. Totally, you know. Yeah. And doing a sequel to the Holiday Special, you think on that, and you think, well, if ever they're going to ever fold in something Caravan of Courage style or Battle for Endor style. Lego would kind of work. It really is that it's cute enough that everybody kind of loves it. It works as its own thing because Lego doesn't just do Star Wars franchise. It does part of it, just Batman and DC and Marvel and all the other stuff it does. So Lego works as its own thing doing Star Wars. So that works brilliantly. The holiday special, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking already, maybe they won't release holiday special sets, but when you get to a 2022, the next celebration, maybe the Lego special will be, you know, Chewy with his little red robe on and Leia with her mouth wide open because she's singing the Life Day song or something. <laughs> you know, yeah. There's some great little opportunities for, for things that they well, could do. They'd fought Gormanda with the forearms or Agmina in the, in the cantina or whatever. There's some really cool stuff. Am I right in thinking that they've made Life Day a thing at Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, it's in the it's, book, isn't it's it? It's in the book. Yeah, but, um, but but they actually do it as a day. There's talk no, of doing no, it next year, though. Yeah, yeah, coming. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. They, I mean, they, you know, even going back, they they did it in Star Wars Galaxies. Galaxies that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, you know. So I mean, it's it's quite nice that even whilst the holiday special may be derided for many a reason, the concept of having an in-universe holiday celebration has carried on through, which is quite nice. And you know, what with the recanonization and you know the legend stuff it's nice of that's carried on as well because it's one of those things that i think connects the original trilogy mm. fans to this new era i think it's one of those things that on one hand in theory that's quite cool but when it comes to the actual delivery and the reality of it it's then just like oh uh, because that's how i felt about family guy star wars sure and yeah dance games of star wars and stuff like that you know the the pre-disney takeover it just felt like star wars was just being dragged down and down and down in terms mm. of its quality and this is one of those moments where you're like hey i've got an idea and it's like yeah that sounds quite cool but then the the execution of it is just kind of like what are you doing question to both of you then do you think that this is i mean because we saw it actually even that last year's celebration they had um the boba fett lunchbox from um holiday special yeah do we think that possibly this is, uh, you know, this could cause demand or maybe a bit of pressure on, on, on Disney to actually 
finally release the original holiday special onto Disney Plus. Would you like to see it? I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't turned up as sort of an Easter egg on a Blu-ray somewhere. You know, <laughs> or, you know, somebody's gone mooching around the title screens or something. There's a little link that no one's ever found to the holiday the, special. The, the thing is, though, is it quite the same watching it in 1080p <laughs> as it is with like the blurry, like you know, no. with the tracking lines and everything yeah. like that? Because now you actually just want to see it like that. If you saw it restored, yeah. you'd be kind of like, man, this is really. SH1T yeah. kind of thing, whereas if it is kind of like that, you know, the music and the everything, you totally need yeah, yeah, the tracking yeah. to be out, yeah, and everything's super fuzzy and stuff like that. Then you just kind of like, yeah, wow. you know, because you, you, you're then making excuses. Oh, yeah, it's supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be really bad. <laughs> um, well, there, I, I, there you go. I suppose you know, you know, they could do two versions and just pick, pick the version you want. Do you want the, um, the collector's edition? Do you want the bootleg version or do you? <laughs> Well, the restored version. I mean, for we know, there might even be, and I wouldn't be surprised if there is a line in the Disney contract that Lucas signed, which basically <laughs> forbids them ever, on pain of death, um, an extra $10 billion or something to ever release for holiday special. Comes out on Disney, which is spelt with a Z. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like but you think there's like Return of the Ewok needs to come out, you know, and there's like obviously Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor, Ewoks and Droids. There's all these things from the sort of the early ish. I mean, Ewoks and Droids aren't early, they're after Jedi and some of the Ewok films, but you know, there's that sort of era of stuff. But the earliest yeah. is a holiday special, isn't it? And obviously there's TV like Donnie and Marie and stuff like that that they did, you know, the actors did. But as an actual thing, the Star Wars holiday special, I think you're probably right. I think if George ever felt like he needed to give reparations to anyone, it's that however many million people watched that in November 1978 probably deserve some money back. Was that shown in the UK? No, it was shown no. once in the States on that, I forget what yeah. day, November, the, whatever day it was, it was in November. It was but like it was shown Thanksgiving once. or something, wasn't it? Or near I, Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. I remember buying my copy of that from a convention in Blackpool. In <laughs> Blackpool. Oh. Um, like, I think it was 90, 97, 98, but yeah. I remember it was 25 quid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was wow. like, that, that was back then, you yeah. know, like, yeah. you know, it's like 20 plus years ago and you're just like, oh my word. It and was that sort of era when Kevin Rubio did Troops, wasn't it? It was all sort of within that That's sort it. of, yeah. And when they did the big scene at Toshi Station yeah. and, you know, yeah, I, I had a, boot, yeah. a bootleg copy of that before it ended up on uh, Making Magic and mm. stuff like that. Yeah, it was, it was shown somewhere and someone had like a video camera and it's kind of, it wasn't front on, it's completely skewed. But, no, the 10th uh, anniversary um, convention that they did in 87 when Lucas met Roddenberry, it was probably shown at that. It was pr probably bootlegs all came from places like that. Probably was. To me, anything like this was like gold dust, mm. you know, back at like <gasps> deleted scenes or, or something that's slightly different from the thing that you know inside out. It's like, oh, yeah. I'll pay money. <laughs> Take my kidney. <laughs> Take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so all in all, we think Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, it's a good thing. Yeah, let's wait and see. I mean, you know, we're, we're all going to keep tabs on that one. I would imagine that Lego, a good enough sense of humour. And don't forget, you can have the Mandalorian appearing in it because he's got mm. the same kind of rifle mm. thing that... Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. ...cartoon, so like... Oh. Yeah, there's, there's going to definitely be a cash-in on the um, Baby Yoda, surely. Basically, it's going to be a success because it's Lego and people will be queuing around the block. You're listening to Fanta Tracks. Flip through the galaxy of literature with Cannon Fodder hosts Brian Cameron, Matt Booker, Mark Newbold, and Mark Mocaster. Count me in. Yeah! 
Spin Round the Rim with Desert Planet Discs. Your musical journey through the space lanes with your hosts, Carl Bayless and Greg Robertson. The hottest tunes this side of Muffs Isley. Get the latest news, interviews, reviews, and much more on Making Tracks with your hosts, Mark Newbold and Mark Mulcaster. Like an Ewok battle wagon out of control. Join hosts Claire Henry and a rotating panel of guest hosts for the podcast that's full of hope. Hope. Planet Leia. I love you. I know. It's time to head south with the Fanta from down under, Adam O'Brien. Oh, get out, mate. Hey, gown. Start your engines with Paul Naylor and Mark Newbold as they lift the hood on starships, airspeeders, swoops, capital ships, and more from across the cosmos. And for everything in one location, daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video and social media feeds, bookmark fanthatracks.com for Star Wars news 24-7, 365. Greg, McLaughlin writes in, given the grim numbers from Disney's latest earnings call, do you feel more or less relieved television being the home of Star Wars for the near future? He goes on to write, but he's not too worried for a year or two delay in the movies, but because there's such an investment for for movies. But one has to be concerned about Disney being a bit gun-shy to lay out a huge investment given the current climate and the earnings for the latest two films. Let's put this to Dave first. Are you are you happy with the, the near future of Star Wars being rooted on TV and on Disney Plus? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been so spoiled over the last few years that we've had a Star Wars movie release every single year. It's very easy to forget that up to that point, we didn't have anything for 10 years. Mm. The only home of Star Wars, arguably, was already on TV thanks to the Clone Wars. To me, Star Wars has always been beyond the movies anyway. At its core, that's its roots are from. But so much has been put into this from the point of view of the books, the comics, the video games, the TV shows and stuff like that. And in many respects, they have the opportunity to do more with it than they would be able to do with a film because you can not so much take more risks, but you can be a bit more expansive than you could ever be with a film because there's just too much at stake. A prime example is when it comes to books, everybody's got their favorite story arcs and things like that, comics as well, uh, and the video games. You're not necessarily into every single book or comic or video game but you're into say like rogue squadron as books and comics you know you can pick and choose the things that you you like with the films coming out every single year there is not enough time to really give the spotlight on each of those films that we have had in the past the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy always had three years between each release which gave you a chance to look at all of that expansive story that's in there you know all that background information you know i I can pretty much tell you not perfect but i can tell you all the different background characters and and bits about them from the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy but i couldn't tell you that about the sequel trilogy you know if you were to show me a picture from the the visual dictionary i wouldn't say oh yeah that's aldar bido or you know or or whatever because i I recognize the picture but i couldn't tell you who it is or what it is and some of that you get because it gives a bit of time to have a look at all of that this amazing stuff that's gone into creating all of this, that you then get a toy, you then get a comic, or, you know, it ends up in other things. You know, you you start learning a bit more about these characters. And don't get me wrong, there is so much available that has been generated over the last five years that is ripe for. I've said before that Beckett 
from Solo, I think has a huge opportunity there for him to be able to like, you know, have his own spin-off TV show in the same way that Cassian has, the way we've got Mandalorian. You know, you can go in a million different directions without it like crossing over and things like that. Yes, the films are what really makes a big chunk of money but also at the same time it's the one that costs the most amount of money and the more that they do with things like the mandalorian and the more that they build up confidence a team of people and like the right kind of production schedule to be able to like knock things out then the quicker and easier it is to create content for disney plus going forward equally we've just touched on it talking about the lego stuff there's stuff on Disney Plus that still hasn't come about. And I'm not saying about the, the holiday show, um, uh, the holiday special, but you've got all the Ewoks and Droids cartoons. You know, I've got nine hours, nine hours of <laughs> Ewoks cartoons. I mean, who does that? But like, you know, they're, they're, there's a huge, huge amount that they've got there. So you've got all this stuff that you can go back and dip your toe in that well and learn about all this other stuff. So there's plenty of content to keep us going with stuff that can be made and stuff that has already been made, but they've still yet to release. That'll tie you over until as and when a next film comes. There's nothing to really to worry about. Everyone's been affected with the pandemic, but I don't think it's going to affect Styles in any way. If anything, I think it will give them confidence to actually produce a better product because it's giving them a bit of time to review and work out what it is that they're doing rather than just like, we got a deadline. We need to get it out. We got a deadline. We need to get it out, you know, because that's how it feels like it's been over the last few years, which isn't bad. We've got stuff that we've never had before, but I also feel like at times is it's because you got that deadline and all hell will break loose. If you, if you miss it, that you could have maybe have, approach things in a different way or or structured things or had if you had a bit more time could it have been done differently and that's not at the expense of the story just being able to like deliver a much better thing and that then also then helps all the licenses as well because they can't keep up with this stuff you know it's difficult for them so they need a bit of breathing space as, as much as anybody else and allows you to appreciate more each of the films because so much goes into it if you can like learn about all these fringe characters and stuff like that you then just get more invested in it so rather than the eternal struggle of do you like the last jedi or not yeah everything's black and white you're just literally getting to like understand more about it and if you can find out more about these characters and more is in there with the background stories you get to appreciate it more and it's, it'll disarm a lot of people rather than like Happy Meal toy. On to the next one. On to the next one. On to the next one. That's, that's a long answer. That's, I'm very sorry. No, no don't Mr. apologize. Mr. Day 3, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> 25 episodes. <laughs> Fanta tracks. Me and Mark have talked about this a lot on the show. Why Star Wars has got a future on television. The fact that if Star Wars originally in 77 hadn't have been a hit, the next Star Wars product you probably would have got would have been Splinter of the Mind's Eye as a TV movie. So, so, you know, there's all these different avenues that could have happened for Star Wars. You say about how there's been so much content coming out in the last five years, which is great, but now Star Wars is now driven by, you know, a board and shareholders and it's part of Disney and it's not an independent company when it was when George was running it, so it's a different concern completely. And that sometimes it does feel like they're thinking, we've got to get to May 25th to get Solo out, or we've got to get to you know December 16th to get whatever out, you know, and they are chasing the tail to get the content out. And the stuff that is out there now isn't monopolised upon. And I say monopolised in a in a positive sense, that if you look at 
the cantina aliens in Star Wars, how every yeah. character in there has had a story in some media, be it in a computer game or in a TV show or in a comic or a book or whatever, you know, a Tales from Jabba's Palace type scenario. Everybody's had a story told, and yet you look at Mazzy's Castle, and I would wager you, you've probably not had stories about every character in there or or any other locale from the new films. You know, all the characters you saw in Solo. You mentioned Beckett. Solo's ripe for plundering for more stories, and maybe Disney Plus is the place to do it. So, yeah, you're right. I think TV feels like a fertile ground to expand what we know. Because, like you say, if you know more about the characters in the films, the film means more to you because you've invested the time to learn about it. Do you feel that if there is a bit of a gap, if we say like Rise of Skywalker, did Rise of Skywalker feel a little bit more special because there'd been an 18 month gap? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, R- and rather right. than like every few, you know, every every 12 months, if you see what I mean, because yeah. there was a bit more, not so much because it's the, where they were saying end of the era and end of Skywalker and all that, but it was just more of a, yeah, you know, it felt more of an yeah. occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, if, yeah. It, if it is a three year gap, it's like, oh, here we go. Totally. I've been waiting for this. It's you know. the circus coming to town, isn't it? Every three years, mm. Or, or, yeah. or between trilogy, you know, we have 16 years between Jedi and Phantom Menace. We had 10 years between Revenge of the Sith and Force Awakens. And I know, like you rightly pointed out, we had the Clone Wars movie and then the TV series. You know, so there was, and you mentioned Family Guy, Star Wars, and Robot Chicken Star, and all that stuff, which is peripheral, but it's still keeping the name in the in the zeitgeist. But as a main event movie turning up at the cinemas, which is really what it's all about, is it, you know, the circus comes to town when it turns up at your local multiplex and you're buying popcorn and making a night of it. That's that's the main event element, not plonking on the sofa, which is what the way it's going is that you'll just clear the sofa and watch something on telly and pause it and go out and go go for a wee and come back, make a cup of tea, whatever. But when you go to the cinema, it's got you captivated because there's no pause button at the cinema. So that's the main event aspect. Because, you know, when when Jedi finished, we thought that was it. We really thought that was it, especially as kids. It's like, well, that, well we're done now. That's it. And then Revenge of the Sith finishes and the whole marketing was the circle is now complete. Well, that's it. Star Wars is done. You, even, you can tell by the way John Williams scores the, the end credits. It's like, this is it. It's done. This is it, exactly. You know. Yeah. After The Force Awakens, and Dave, I'm sure you can kind of reflect on this as well, you know, there was a diary that you could set. So you kind of had your Force Friday, then you had your film release in December, then you had your Blu-ray home release, and then you'd have your Force Friday, and it repeated for, what, three or four years. And it was very hard, as you said, appreciate what was coming out, because you're also trying to look forward to the next stuff. So you're thinking about what's the next film going to be, and you're so you're not necessarily trying to fill in your collection gaps with all the Rogue One figures. You're now moving on to, like, the Last Jedi figures, which are just coming out, like, in the next couple of months. So I, I personally think a break is good with the tv series taken with the main focus for time being is still allowing for merchandise and collectibles to be produced and more importantly for more diverse stories to be explored what we really want is good stories set in the star wars universe not necessarily they always have to be a star wars film so mark and myself have talked about this quite a bit using cassian as the vehicle to introduce you to a whole world or a whole different kind of area of the galaxy the same with the mandalorian and i think that is where there's a benefit because like you said with a film you've got to you've got to keep your narrative condensed and tight because it's only two hours or maybe two hours 20 but then when you get into tv series we were talking about four maybe five hours and you can expand stuff you can kind of let things breathe for instance if we were to take the mandalorian all eight episodes and actually go right so if we were to make a film out of that it would probably be chapter one maybe chapter two 
chapter three and then chapters like seven and eight. Mm, yeah. I don't think we'd go to like the, the planet where they're just like fishing for blue shrimp. prawns, shrimp, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, exactly. You're probably not going to have a prison planet, so Matt Lanter's not going to get his cameo. Mm. Stuff like that. And, and you're probably not going to return to Tatooine. Yeah. There's avenues and there's ways to expand the, uh, the galaxy without necessarily having to rely on films. But like Mark says, Star Wars has always been a big occasion. It's something that actually a Star Wars film, everybody, you know, the media, the, the general casual fans, the hardcore fans, and those who are kind of slightly interested, get geared up for, especially once there's been a bit of a break. But I think Disney need to find that balance as well. We don't want to get inundated with TV series that actually when, it's, when a Star Wars show gets released, it's not a big deal. And at the same time, we don't want the TV series to necessarily overshadow the film releases. I agree completely. And what you're saying about um, things like The Mandalorian, if you did not have the films over the last five years and only looked at the stuff that has been officially released in the form of The Mandalorian, Clone Wars season, whatever it is, Rebels, you would go, this is the best Star Wars ever. Mm, yeah. If you took the films out of it and just looked at the TV produced stuff, I think everybody would say, this is what Star Wars is always meant to be. Yeah. Because you got a prequel thing that has just literally amped it all up. You got a, an original trilogy thing or pre-original trilogy thing that everybody is like going, Oh wow. You know, this is, this has got all the right things. And then you got a post original trilogy thing that is going on. You know, what happened after return? If, if you never had the sequel trilogy, solo and rogue one, I bet everybody would be going, absolutely every everybody would be on the same page right now saying star wars is amazing so in a roundabout way if you can think like that rather than oh no it means we're not getting any more films we're already doing really good mm, yeah could be argued that you've actually got the best star wars content being generated than you've ever had you know i know that's very much up for debate but i think the films overshadow everything to such a degree people don't look at well what else is there that is is actually star wars and go you know what this is awesome this is absolutely fantastic hands down if you had rebels clone wars going concurrently and mandalorian you'd just be like we've never had it so good i guarantee it and and that's not even going into the sequel trilogy stuff we have had with the films you know we still got all that to potentially come in in one oh and and resistance yeah we we have been spoiled as Star Wars fans, we seem to be kind of almost inbuilt to wish for the Star Wars that we haven't had or we didn't get and, and ignore the stuff or take for granted the stuff that we do have. You know, I think that is something that as Star Wars fans, maybe we need to all take a step back and actually go, you know, OK, whatever we thought of the sequel trilogy, love, hate or detest it. Think about everything else. And, you know, not everybody needs to love everything from all different parts of Star Wars. There's enough Star Wars now for everybody to have some kind of crossover of stuff that they like and some stuff that they don't like. And the stuff you don't like, if it offends you that much, just don't worry about it. Ignore it. Wipe it from your head cannon if you need to. You know, we are kind of spoiled. And hopefully all things being well with um, lockdowns easing and production starting back up, we're going to have a great Mandalorian season two coming in October and then some great series coming next year. This is Steve Bloom, voice of Zebralios, and you're listening to Fanta Tracks. Caravast. <laughs> May the force be with you. Dave, where can people find you? You can find me in my shop in all the cool stuff in Fording Bridge in Hampshire. If you can't make it to the shop, uh, you can find us online at the Facebook page, all the cool stuff. Or alternatively, if you want to keep it purely Star Wars related, 
you can find me on facebook at farthest from which is the show that we do all about vintage toys and things like that but come and find us drop by say hello that'll be fantastic how about yourself mark Yeah, where can we find you, Mark? Where are you normally? Yeah, where? Yeah. Me? where? Uh, always asking the questions. Yeah, always asking the questions. You, in fairness, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, I am unfortunately just titled as M Molecaster. You should be able to find me on Facebook because the last time I checked, I was the only Mark Molecaster on Facebook, which is something I'm still pretty proud of. Hit me up. You Google whacked yourself. Better than number wanging. <laughs> Indeed. Right, so. <laughs> Swiftly on. <laughs> We're speaking for Panthertrax. If you want to stay part of the action, stay updated on all the latest Star Wars news, you can visit panthertrax.com or check out the Panthertrax app, which is awesome, through the App Store to follow us on your mobile device. You can reach out to us and send in your listeners' questions by emailing radio at panthertrax.com. Episode 51 coming up next. We need listeners' questions, so get them in. Uh, comment, like, and share on any of our social media feeds at Panthertrax. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review. Please leave some five-star ones on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcatcher or smart speaker of choice mark dave thank you so much for being on episode 50 it's been awesome congrats guys thanks dave take care coming up next on fanta tracks radio it's another episode of making tracks